0: Brian Nichols you're a great man with some great ideas a great podcast do you see why he's my favorite libertarian people (laughs) yes he's full of common sense and wisdom
1: Brian Nichols here on the Brian Nichols show Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. Today, I am joined by easily one of the best of the best, Matt Kibbe. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, Brian. It's good to be with you. By the way, let me take a step back and say I love what you're doing. I love the conversational style, and it's a combination of good fun and serious
0: ideas. I love the fact that your show's doing what it does, and, and this is how we win the future. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest-growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues
1: you care about Hey, what's up, folks? It's Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and what a great episode we have in store for you today. As you can guess by the uh, the title of the episode, it's definitely uh, going to be one of the more uh, lively conversations you've heard here on The Brian Nichols Show. So today I was joined again by Keith Rubino. Now... Those of you who have been with The Brian Nichols Show for, uh, well, since the beginning, basically, um, you guys probably remember Keith. He joined me back last year as a uh, a guest when he was running for New York State Assembly as a Democratic Socialist up in northern New York State. So back when I had him on my show, uh, we did discuss his candidacy more than anything. And being a Democratic Socialist, I was like, wow, you know, I think Keith would be a great guy to have a more in-depth conversation and to really, you know, push him on a couple of these uh, very controversial issues that democratic socialists promote. So with that, I asked Keith to come back on my show and I said, hey, let's dig more into these uh, various topics of conversation where libertarians and and democratic socialists differ. And I think you're going to hear throughout the episode, um, that there's a lot of similar, uh, end games between libertarians and and democratic socialists. It's just a matter of how we get there. Um, You know, Keith, obviously through the democratic socialist lens and uh, libertarians through the, uh, the more personal liberty and uh, economic freedom uh, lens. So, with that, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, and also thank you to all those who submitted questions, um, to, for, for the episode today, the Ask a Democratic Socialist. Um, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get the chance to get to all the questions, uh, but we will be doing this, uh, this, we'll be doing this again. Uh, Keith's a great guy. I love having a conversation with him because, uh, you know, he, he sticks to the issues. There's no, you know, personal back and forth. It's really talking about the true fundamental differences between Democratic Socialists and uh, Libertarians. And also, one thing I just want to get out of the way as well, there are points in the episode I don't push Keith on uh, some of these Democratic Socialist uh, policies and and principles. And really, the reason for that is I want him to be able to answer the question, to really express and explain what Democratic Socialists actually believe. I didn't want to strawman him. I didn't want to frame what he was, uh, you know, what his his values and beliefs were through an inaccurate lens and say, hey, you know, here's the question answer it as best you can. There are definitely aspects of the show where uh, Keith and I have a respectful dialogue and it definitely gets a little fiery because, you know, it's it's just one of those things where you have to ask questions, push people on the issues. And at the end of the day, we could end the conversation as friends, really walking away, I think, feeling like we each learned from each other, uh, maybe not agreeing, but at least knowing where each other came from. So with that, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please share with family and friends. And with that, on to the show. Keith Rubino, Join us again to talk about democratic socialism here on The Brian Nichols Show. All right, and with that, welcome back. Yes, welcome back to the show. Keith Rabino. great to hear from you, buddy. I know it's been a while since we, uh, we connected, uh, since our last discussion. Um, I, you and I have had some fun there on social media, a little back and forth. And every time it ended with, well, we'll discuss that in greater detail. when you're on my show next time. And uh, here we are. Now you're on my show next here time. Here we are. That's right. And, and <laughs> folks, Keith is actually connecting us uh today via, via cell phone. So, um, I apologize in advance for a little bit of the, uh, the lesser audio quality, but this is the best way we can get Keith right now today. And we'll, we'll see how this goes. I'm, this might be a part one. Who knows? We might have a part two down the road. Um, because today is actually a, a special episode with Keith. Now, Keith, I, I don't want to uh, misidentify you, but I think it's fair to say you're you're pretty much in the camp of the Bernie Sanderses of the world, in a democratic socialist. W- w- would that be fair to say?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Okay.
1: Perfect. So that's exactly what I asked my audience. I said, hey as libertarians as conservatives as republicans as independents i don't care what your political affiliations are i want you to feel comfortable today in asking keith questions that maybe you either a want to actually know the answer to or b you want to see keith try to answer the question and and actually stick to principles so um it's a challenging day for for keith which is our goal to 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 make keith answer tough questions cuz i'm you know a hard ass which no, I'm not a hard ass, but <laughs> we're gonna have some fun. No, it's fine. Um, and, and Keith's a great sport for those of you who are interested in learning more about Keith's uh past campaign. He ran for New York State Assembly. I'll, go, I'll include the link to our our previous episode there in the Brian Nichols show when he was a candidate. Um so with that today, starting off, Keith Rubino, welcome back. And if you could, in just uh, a few words, fill us in. How did the election go? Um, what have you been doing in the meantime? Uh so with that, Keith, the floor is yours.
0: Okay, well, uh, hello, everybody. Thank you for allowing me the chance to be back on, Brian, and for everybody listening in, I do hope to answer the questions uh, fully, and I really hope to maybe sway some people into having a little bit more of an insight into why I think that democratic socialism can be achieved in uh, synchronicity with certain libertarian ideas. And you know, I hope that we'll go into those a little bit later on throughout the show, but For now, yes, I ran for the New York State Assembly last year. Uh, I ran against Robert Smolin, who still has a pending felony charge against him, uh, which is hilarious. Uh, It seems that people of this district didn't care if he was possibly a criminal. People didn't care if he was breaking the law. What they decided was, I'm going to vote for the Republican ticket because I'm a Republican, and I'm not going to let no Democrat in there, and then, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera, with you know, screw Cuomo, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, thing it's funny because, you know, I am a democratic socialist. I have a lot of liberal policies. But, you know, I'm fiscally conservative as well, um, which I know sounds ironic because, you know, liberals spend, spend, spend. But um, <laughs> I think that there's a, I think that there's a lot of waste in New York state government. And I ran on the campaign of putting forth new proposals like single payer health care and whatnot by getting rid of some of the waste that we currently have in the sector of New York state government. And so, you know, I consider myself fiscally responsible. I don't want to spend, spend, spend without reallocating some of the wasteful money that we have. And, you know, I work in human services right now. I work for people with developmental disabilities through the state of New York, and I really enjoy everything I can uh, about politics. But because i work in a sector that new york state government oversees i see a lot of waste i see a lot of issues with medicare fraud and a lot of medicare uh irresponsibilities that happen so you know i look forward to answering all the questions tonight but i i guess that was more than just a couple words so i do apologize for that i just wanted to give everybody a quick rundown i'm 30 years old i live in herkimer i've been born and raised in herkimer county my whole life and uh You know, I'm looking forward to my next political venture, but for now, I'm just involved in the 2020 campaign for Bernie Sanders for uh, hopefully getting him elected as president of the United States.
1: (laughs) And I'm sure a bunch of my audience's heads just exploded in hearing that.
0: (laughs) But you know what? That's okay. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe 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 he's the uh, maybe he's the uh, the better option out of all the candidates that are currently running. I mean, there is no libertarian candidate.
1: Well, not yet, where uh, we, we have our convention yeah, up sure here, and, uh, down fun. the road. We actually have a couple of candidates and I've interviewed a, uh, actually two of them on my show already, Kimberly uh, Ruff and then uh, Adam Kokesh, both uh, looking at the nomination and uh, truth be told uh versus some of the other folks who have tossed their hat in the ring they, they are looking pretty darn good especially kim kim's a great lady and adam's a very smart guy too um but uh All yeah we, we, so let's kind of get get back to uh, bernie because obviously since uh since you and i first got this interview set up and originally it was supposed to be last week but i like everybody right. else was hit yeah, by now, the flu yeah. um the flu is not fun and i i apologize my voice goes out a little bit i'm just now Actually, being able to feel like myself again. So, um, so to to start off, let's kind of look at this whole democratic socialism thing. And what I did is I reached out to my audience. I said, Hey, again, send me some questions for Keith. And, and we're going to make sure that they're, they're real questions. It's not something like that, you know, we're, we're trying to put you on the spot. But truly, I want you to to see if you can answer this question. And it actually goes to the point that you, you touched on about, you know, Medicare fraud and, and now you're, you're advocating for Bernie Sanders. So this is from uh, Fritz, and Fritz says, I genuinely want to know why Keith believes having the right people in government power is a good argument against constricting government power.
0: Okay, so I believe that government power can be constricted and consolidated by electing the right people, like I, I currently think that government is bloated and huge, just like a lot of other people do and libertarians do, um, and I believe that we currently have people in positions of government power and overseeing certain organizations and sectors of government that literally are not doing the jobs that they were meant to do. I mean, you know, we have people that are being paid a salary every year and are not taking care of the issues in regards to waste, like like Medicare you know, Medicare is an, like I said before, an incredibly wasteful expenditure on our, on our budget. And so many people claim uh, for Medicare and try to get reimbursed through Medicare. And some of the things that they're claiming is is genuine fraud. So I think that there are people in the welfare department, you know, uh, conservatives all the time talk about welfare and how welfare is wasteful and people abusing the system. And I think that that's completely true but I still don't think that welfare is something that needs to be eliminated I think that what we need to do is get the right people in the government that are overseeing something and say hey you know what Joe claimed that he went to a job interview last week and um, I don't see anything that shows any proof of that why don't we call up and see you know like and I understand that it, overall for Fritz's answer I think that having the right people in government, people like you and me, Brian, people people that know what it's like to be a middle class representative or to be middle class or working class is a much better op- op- option for us going forward than having somebody who's rich, out of touch, has no idea what it's like to struggle, has no idea... What like their organization should be about because they just don't have the empathy or the the moral you know understanding of what it's like to struggle. Can I so, follow up on that really quick? I I, I, I
1: do have a question sure. actually that kind of goes in line with that. And actually, um, so when I was at the gym today, I listened to the episode that you and I had there before, and one of the points yeah. that you uh you kept bringing up last time was one of the big problems, and it kind of goes with what you just mentioned about the fact that it's it's that we don't have the right people in office. And right. th- so that, I, and I agree. I think definitely that is a huge issue. The fact that we don't have the air quote right people. But then another issue you brought up was there are so many people who are apathetic to the voting process. So wouldn't, yeah. and, and this is the part that I think a lot of Democrat socialists have trouble with is that you look at the current system we're in now, and the people who are in elected office, those people were put into office by our electorate. Like that's just the reality, unfortunately. And it's that electorate who we acknowledge is, in many cases, either ill-informed or just simply apathetic to the political process. How do you convince those people to, number one, get educated to know who they're voting for? But number two, and I think this is the, the, the bigger question, too, is what happens if they don't put the right people in place? What if they put more of the same failed people into these positions of power? How, how does that get fixed in this electoral system where the elections are the, quote unquote, free market way of trying to regulate the the, the the elected officials and the government and ultimately the policies that come from said government?
0: Well, you know, I mean, a great perfect example was my election with Robert Smolin. You know, uh, I think we need to get money out of politics. You know, I raised twenty five thousand dollars from grassroots people and Robert Smullen spent over a hundred thousand dollars of his own money, and um, you know got a couple donations here and there uh, from different people and committees. But overall, I mean, it was a perfect example of how much money has an influence on our elections and how awful it is, you know. And like, regular people can't run, you know. Like I'm, I am a regular person. I, I was only able to run for this position because I had a national following because of all the things I did for Bernie in 2016. And so I had a lot of people from across the country shelling out money to help me try and, you know, win this race. But even so, $25,000 later, I still didn't have enough money to flood the market with my name. So I think that, you know, people are apathetic because the same people get put into office because it's the same people running, the people who have money, the people who have enough money to flood their district or flood their area with their message. And that's, pretty much the problem that we have right now. And I, I do believe that if we had publicly funded elections, which obviously I know that might be a cringe thing, too, because publicly funded means taxpayer funded elections. But, you know, I, I do agree with that concept because it would mean more people should be, you know, it, it's that same concept that I think a lot of you know, conservatives have. Work for it. Put in the money. If, if you're personally invested in something, you're going to do something. You're going to value it a lot more than if you got it for free, right? Like, obviously, people have that argument against socialism. You know, if people are getting stuff for free, then they're not going to value it as much as they would if they were paying for it. But, you know, in my thought process, if you're paying taxes on a service, then, you know, you, you understand what it means. We talked about that with healthcare. We talked about that with DPW, so, uh, socialism with fire department, police department, schools you know, our educational system with taxes. So I, I know, I just think getting money out of politics is the number one issue that we could all agree on that would probably make things easier for all of us.
1: So you actually um, led right into my next question. Um, and I haven't, I'm actually just throwing a couple of my own questions I've had in. Um, so you yes. mentioned about people having more, more of a, more skin in the game, really, in terms of paying their taxes. But what if somebody doesn't want to pay their taxes to support, name the program here what would you do to that person if let's say in 20 here i'll give you an example 2020 comes around bernie wins democrats uh maintain but even uh, increase their control of the house democrats take control of the senate so it's it's literally a dream scenario for a democratic or democratic socialist um campaign and you guys decide to implement universal health care or medicaid medicare what have you right So, let's say um, you do that, and then I, as a taxpayer, say, well, I don't want my money going towards that, so I'm not going to pay. What happens to me?
0: So, I know that this question involves, like, taxation is theft kind of deal. Um, Like, I I hear that all the time, taxation is theft, Uh, I don't want to pay taxes for things that I don't agree with, and, you know... I I understand all that. Right. Um, So if I can ask you to repeat the question one more time, I just want to make sure that I'm about to answer this the correct way without, you know, um, doing that thing that some people do, which is like circumvent the question and pivot to another point. Really, the question
1: is, if if you guys as Democratic Socialists do end up getting control of the government and you start to enact these these progressive Democratic Socialist policies and principles of let's give the example of a universal health care. Right. And you're right. saying, OK, we're going to pass this. And now here is the tax that goes on to the American people. And I, as Mr. Taxpayer, and I'm going to just assume millions more like me are going to say, I don't want to pay this. What happens then? Right. What's the what's the repercussion? What's the actual action that then Democratic Socialists would have to, uh, to take?
0: Well, I mean, you know, honestly, like right now, um, everybody pays their taxes. Pe- certain people can write off their taxes if they have enough money to hire a lawyer that can get through all the LLC loopholes and all the loopholes that we have in our current tax law. But let's just ignore um, them. Like, let's argue, say like,
1: no, no loopholes, none of that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about for, like a very fundamental
1: basis of like, I as a, a if citizen. somebody says, I don't want to pay that, I don't want to pay taxes
0: for For, this, for this. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, as of right now, like our current system says that that's not an option. You know, you can't, you can't just say, I'm not going to pay my taxes because the IRS comes after you. Um, and, you know, ends up, you know, garnishing your wages and all that. And that leads to a whole other topic, um, of the society of people. Taxes for me and for many people who are democratic socialists are things that you can visibly and, and, you know, uh, 100% confirm are something that is going to benefit you or society as a whole. And right now, you know, the military industrial complex, a lot of people hate that they see their taxes go because most of their federal taxes are gone into the military budget as opposed to actual systems of health care and education and all these things that democratic socialism talks about, like, you know, college tuition, uh, universal health care. So, you know, what I would say to you and other people who are asking that question, um, I think that we need to implement the policies for things like universal health care education and let people see the benefit of what's going to occur with that and and quite honestly i mean you know we can't we can't have people be pessimistic about something that hasn't been implemented in the country yet but we can look to other places and you know we've looked to other places that have implemented universal health care and but those places charge like
1: 60% income tax rates on middle class Americans just in order to right, make that but, work. But, but then they're also yeah. like homogenous groups of people who, you know, it's number one, it's like the size of a state in, um, you know, name a state in America. And they're all very similar people in terms of their, their, um their, their color, of their skin, their race, their ethnicity, their culture. So, this homogenous society, it's easier to implement that. I mean, America, we're 300 million people from all different walks of life, different political persuasions. All right, folks, we're going to take a time out from the episode really quick, and I need to tell you about ButcherBox. So if you're a listener of The Brian Nichols Show, you know I like to talk about fitness and such, right? And yeah, I like to lift things up and put things down to get nice and big and strong, but the reality is that lifting weights is just half of the equation needed to see long-lasting results. So what you put into your body is just as important as your workout, and that's why I only eat meats from ButcherBox. Now, to be clear, ButcherBox isn't paying me or sponsoring me to say this, but guys, I feel so strongly about their product, I, I want to share my experience of ButcherBox with you. So, ButcherBox delivers 100% grass fed beef, free range organic chicken, and heritage breed pork directly to your door every single month. Think of them essentially as like your neighborhood butcher, but for modern America. And let me tell you, their meats are absolutely phenomenal, right? Juicy chicken breasts, tender fillet, flavorful sirloin tips. ButcherBox makes it easy for you to get literally the highest quality of meats delivered right to your door. And right now, listeners of The Brian Nichols Show can get two pounds of grass grass-fed ground beef for free added in every single box for life when you order today. Yeah, that's right. For life. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've had ButcherBox grass-fed ground beef, and it is absolutely delicious. Honestly, some of the best burgers I've ever had in my life were from when I used ButcherBox ground beef to make them. So, guess what, guys? Here's the best part. Using my link not only gets you the free meat, but it gets me free ground beef as well. So, it's a win-win. All you have to do is go to the link, click that link, and you can take advantage of this amazing deal. Or, if you want a personalized link, just email me, brian at briannicholshow.com. Guys, great meats, two pounds of grass-fed ground beef for life, delivered right to your door. Please, take advantage of this amazing opportunity from ButcherBox. And now, back to the show. So as Keith gets ready to answer this question for you folks who are like, oh, Keith sounds super crystal clear now. It's because Keith's coming in via Skype now, because um, uh, he hit some bad signals. So to pick up where <laughs> we left off, um, I would said to you, Keith, so... Uh, you look at these, these countries that you're pointing to, I'm assuming mostly these Nordic countries. Yeah, they, they all are these homogenous societies who are, you know, number one, easier to integrate such a, a system because they are culturally, racially, ethnic, ethnic-wise, very similar. And that's number one. Number two, the reality is, though, that pretty much everybody in these countries are like 60% income tax rate just to cover the 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 cost of this. So I mean you think basically you know before you even take home your pay, over half of it is already gone towards a program. So I think to that you're getting ready to respond, so I'll let you uh pick up where we left off.
0: Right, and and not just a program, but many programs and and you know, I have I've got a couple friends that live in these Nordic countries. Uh one who particularly lives in Sweden and he made a joke about that yesterday uh and we were talking about it. I was like, so you know, are you uh, are you taxed uh, so far that you're struggling economically to stay afloat? He goes, yeah, he goes, I'm actually in line to get handouts right now. Like he was just obviously joking. But, you know, a 60 percent income tax is pretty crazy. Um, but the people that get taxed 60 percent in that country have pretty much everything provided for them via health care, education. I mean, these people have everything provided. So out of pocket expenses are little to none. And to them, that's good. You know, the, the, the ease of access to having, you know, the opportunity to get all these things that we struggle for. I mean, people struggle to to pay their medical bills here in, in the United States, but um, 60% tax rate, very high. I do agree. But we are the richest country in the world. I mean, we have, as you said, 300 million people. Do all of these people pay income tax? No, they, they do not. But are there many people who have an abundance of wealth that literally pay next to nothing. And we've talked about this concept, too. You know, libertarians believe that people like Jeff Bezos should, you know, just kind of philanthropy their way to helping fund society. And in a perfect world where everybody was able to, you know, unconditionally and generously give their their wealth away and help, you know, repair the communities, you know, like if everybody in Herkimer, New York pitched in their money for a big GoFundMe to fix up Main Street instead of just, you know, when I knock on their door and ask what what their biggest issue is, they say, oh, Main Street needs to be cleaned up. Well, do you want to help contribute to that fund? Oh, oh, I'm not going to do that. You know, like, so my concept and many democratic socialist concept is, you know, we put forth this money for things that are crucial and necessary for people to live a happy, healthy life. And, you know, for us, it's not everything it's just education and healthcare. You know, I do believe that healthcare is a human right. I believe that insurance companies right now take massive advantage of human's rights to have healthy, uh, happy lives and they do everything they can to make as much profit as they can. But the biggest thing is if we want to reduce the income tax of that 60% scare, all we have to do is make sure that the uh, rich and wealthy don't do something like Warren Buffett who is a billionaire and can, you know, write off pretty much all of his taxes and you know somebody like Jeff Bezos who owns Amazon he paid 0 in taxes netflix paid 0 in taxes i mean that we're, when we're talking when we're talking money and taxes we're talking hundreds and millions and millions of dollars that are being avoided and this is money that we really could use to help benefit the economy and make it so that we're not forcing the middle class to pay for all these things i mean the problem is the tax code and i know i know that libertarians agree with me on this and i know we all kind of agree the tax code is messed up. It needs to be reformed. Now, what what do people think? A flat tax rate? Um, you know, maybe. But, you know, the thing is, like, if somebody's paying 15% as middle class versus somebody who's a billionaire paying 15%, it's not really the same thing, you know? Um, no, it a billionaire is. It can, is. It, it, when you think it about is, it,
1: but, if you're paying 15% yeah. of your wealth, I mean, you're paying 50% of your wealth, regardless but, of but it's it's $100 or a $1 billion, dollars,
0: it's still but a, a But with a billionaire, like, if, if, if a billionaire is paying 15%, um... You know, a billionaire's wealth is not his own or her own. A billionaire's wealth is the collective profit of all the people underneath that billionaire. And if you're a billionaire... Hold on, hold on, hold
1: on. But they they earned that. I mean, think, Jeff Jeff Bezos, he literally built Amazon from, like, from absolutely nothing. He was working, like, I think it was, like, in a random, like, shop. And he basically built a company that was literally just taking people's goods and then using the postal service to distribute it. Now, you can say, well, he's using the postal service, see government, but he could use UPS, FedEx, name the company, and he built a company from literally nothing to being the quite literally biggest company in the world. I mean, I I don't think that's fair to say they don't deserve or they don't have um, the the right to it.
0: No, he deserves his wealth, he deserves to be rich, and he deserves all the success that Amazon has, but the problem is when you look at the people that are working in Amazon. you work when you're looking at the people who are starving and 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 complain of the garbage conditions of working inside Amazon. And even now, what's Jeff the Jesus, alternative? You know, what, the the alternative is democratic socialism. It's well, where hold on, workers, hold on. I mean, like specifically for those gain. workers.
1: Like, what's the alternative for the worker? Let's, I mean, look at that exact example, right? The alternative. There's a reason they're working at that place. It's because that place is giving them a steady paycheck. For their services. If they yes. think that they can take their labor, their personal labor, and they can go somewhere else that will pay them more because they are the best worker, then nobody's stopping them from doing that. There's there's a voluntary mutual decision that's made in this agreement from Jeff Bezos or let's just say Amazon in General to the worker saying, I will offer you this salary, will you take this? Or I'll offer you this hourly pay. Will you take this? And they say yes. Nobody's making right. them do it, and that's the difference between well, government no, that, versus. That, that,
0: but they are unintentionally being forced to do this. How oh, Every because every single company, like Amazon, you know, talking about Walmart, talking about um, you know Target, all of these places offer competitive wages similar in the same category. I mean, Walmart pays the same as Amazon almost. Amazon bumped their pay up to $15 an hour. Walmart probably going to do it. But they all stay very like it's it's kind of like the media, right? Like the like the media companies. They're all in cahoots like they yeah, Fox panders to a certain audience. CNN panders to a specific audience, but they're all on the same side. They're all being funded by pharmaceutical companies and the military and whatnot. I mean, CNN and Fox News don't exist for the average person. They exist to make money. And so, you know, uh, Walmart, uh, Amazon, they're all in competition but they all employ the workforce that is pretty much the same. And so, you know, if you don't like your pay at Amazon, yeah, sure, you can go somewhere else. But no other company is offering competitive wages. They're all offering bad wages, and that's where we talked about last time in our interview, corporate welfare. You know, like, well, hold on like, before we get to that, because that,
1: that, sure. I think that's a very important point that needs to be addressed. So the the difference though is that no nobody's forcing the person to stay at the level they are. I mean. Heck, you and I are perfect examples. I don't work at Walmart or or Amazon. I work a day job in telecom, and right. I'm just gonna you know say I make more than somebody who does at you know a entry level at Amazon, but because I have developed my skills to a point that that's demanded on the job market. I I don't see the 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 comparison you're making because nobody's forcing those people to stay at the level of education they are. I mean, you have publicly funded libraries, which I don't understand you know, why we have publicly funded libraries anymore with the invention of the internet, because it is so grandiose and the information available, you can go onto YouTube and quite literally learn anything you want to about any topic. And you can become very well versed on that topic to better yourself and then use that newfound skill to make yourself competitive in the job market. I just, I don't know why we're accepting that these low skill, low wage jobs are this form of slavery when people have to take some form of responsibility. And I I would say a lot of them don't because they look at something like a universal healthcare system or a universal basic income, and they say, "Well, or or welfare, or name the the government handout, saying, well, I don't need to get that because I'm getting this supplemental income. And then companies like Amazon and Walmart, can you blame them? Take advantage of that situation because if you know that your workforce is going to be getting subsidized from the government, then why not pay You know, what you the the, the bare minimum. And the same thing is true in inverse for college. I mean, think about college, right? Every single college that charges high tuitions do so because they know they're going to get paid. How do they know they're going to get paid? Because the federal government has decided that they are going to subsidize the college education industry saying, okay, for all these students, we're going to pay whatever it needs to be at this level. So these people can go to college. If I'm a college, I say, "Well, if I'm going to get a guaranteed ten thousand dollars to pay for my tuition." Well, guess what? Now my tuition is twenty thousand dollars. So who gets hurt? The 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 taxpayer because they're paying the ten thousand dollars to the college through government subsidy, and the the student because now they're paying an extra ten thousand dollars that's been artificially increased because the government has subsidized the problem. So I I think the main the main point I'm trying to make is that it looks like you're trying to it's like you're trying to to uh you know fix a symptom versus than the actual disease and the right. actual a disease lot of people is-
0: talk about it being a band-aid issue yes and i i i do agree like the the points that you just raised about college you know colleges are 100 percent now are more focused on being a business than actually providing education to people i mean they can like you know you got colleges putting in swimming like, like 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 water parks and putting in all these like lounges and cafes and all these th- like to make it like a like a like an actual mall Like 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 a like a entertainment stop as opposed to an educational opportunity to better yourself and get a job. But, you know, talking about, you know, the workforce, Brian, you are an exceptional human being. You're smart. You're intelligent. That is not the majority of our country. Some people don't have the opportunity to become educated like us. Some people don't have the opportunity to go to college. Some people don't even have the opportunity to graduate why, high school.
1: Why do they need college, though? That, I think that's the other
0: thing, no, too. They is they like with no, with no, Khan don't. Academy,
1: with YouTube, with, with all these different resources – Honestly, I just—I feel to the educational
0: the, system is outdated. The everything that we're teaching kids is outdated, and but it, that's it, the thing. Education falls,
1: is run by the government.
0: Like everything that the no, government no, does is not, slow. It's not run by—it's not run by the government. It's—it's it, it's the symptoms that how we're talking about that I talked about earlier. Well, no, it's, how, how, it's how is the education people,
1: the government though? Like
0: the government it, is no education. It's the people in government. It's—it's it's the people that we're electing, Brian. I said this before. Like it's the people that are overseeing the government. That's They're us, not people like you and me. We that's the problem. We need to revamp the system by getting young people and regular people elected into office and being uh, overseeing these organizations like the education department should not be run by Betsy DeVos. It shouldn't be run by George Soros. It shouldn't be run by Bernie Sanders. It should be run by someone who is literally understanding of what it is like to be middle class. And I think once we had government should be of the people by the people for the people. And it's and, and it doesn't mean rich people uh, of of the rich people by the rich people for the rich people. It so would be
1: so couldn't it be argued that part of the problem you're identifying, saying it shouldn't be run by named billionaire or really rich or famous politician, is yeah. that part of the problem is that the Department of Education, which was implemented as a federal program to oversee education across the United States, then created these artificial mandates for states. For local schools instead of allowing teachers to teach based yes. on their students, the curriculum. So it's it's again, it's it's almost counterintuitive. You're you're and I'm not saying you, I'm saying the overall argument from a lot of democratic socialists is take over the overarching Leviathan government and then make it better versus saying the government itself is the one that's causing all these problems through unintended consequences. Why not rein back that big government and allow federalism to take place where you have these bastions of experimenting and saying what states are doing it well and what states are doing it wrong. What's New York doing that's worse than Texas? Why is Texas have a budget surplus and New York has a, a massive budget deficit? Why are people leaving New York state in literally hundreds of thousands of people per year versus states like Florida who are gaining people in hundreds of thousands of people per year? And to, to be able to look at those objectively and say, okay, here's why this worked here. Right now we had this just gigantic government that makes these mandates, and somebody in Alaska is now having to respond to all the exact same mandates that someone in Florida is, but the two country or the two states are basically polar opposites. I mean, doesn't that just seem bizarre? To, to well, yeah, no, and that's, but that's the
0: thing too. You know, but that's the thing too. You know, we got like in my area, we have Remington Arms and we have obviously Walmart and whatnot, and. You know, uh, we, Remington Arms is a gun factory and it has, uh, provided a lot of jobs throughout the decades that it has existed in our area, uh, 200 years, I believe. And people are very worried that Remington is going to move down South where, because New York state taxes are so high and because Cuomo has all these anti-gun regulations and et cetera, et cetera. And this is where the federal government needs to be on, like, this is where state, right. It's don't make sense to me if the federal government had a minimum wage of fifteen dollars an hour everywhere states could no longer states are states are in competition with each other and it really shouldn't be that way i mean it is because because if amazon because amazon doesn't want to be in new york city now because of what caught what was caused in regards to uh, that whole situation down there with the gentrification risk and the possibility of rent prices going up Tenfold for people in the immediate areas surrounding Brooklyn, and it was because twenty-five thousand jobs were dangled as a shiny, like, "Ooh, look at this! Look at these really nice twenty-five thousand dollars jobs that are going to help the economy." But what we want is billions of dollars in tax breaks. and no, Nobody's you know,
1: going to argue in favor of the, the tax breaks on a libertarian program. Just so I yeah, mean, but but yeah. to the point no, no, making, but, but, though, so like, I just want to just...
0: follow up with that. I just want to yeah. follow up with that. So the concept, of course, is what is amazon going to do okay they're going to pull out they're going to go look somewhere else where they can get a better deal and that's where the federal laws come into play i don't I, I don't think that the federal government should be in charge of micromanaging things we are in agreement on that but healthcare is a broad thing that should be that that can be successfully implemented as a governmental policy you know um, right now Government is so uh messed up with the insurance companies and all different kinds of insurance companies and so many different middlemen, and that is why the healthcare system is so incredibly complex. And,
1: I mean, what? Keith, it, the the government in roundabout ways subsidizes the healthcare insurance companies, which again goes back to the whole college thing. It, that it yes. artificially increases the the cost of care. I mean, think yeah. about it. You go into a, a hospital for care, and you can't ask the question, "How much is going to cost?" Oh, we'll see. We're not sure yet Wait to see what your right. insurance company is going to pay.
0: Yeah. If you and, say you're going to you pay know, out of a, pocket a I can guarantee IV the... bag actually you know a, 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 an IV bag that's supposed to cost a dollar they inflate it to a 6 or 7 dollar cost per exactly. IV bag. But yeah, that, that's no. the thing
1: that, that's not that's not in lieu of government that's because of government. That's that's well, the point.
0: I think it's because of I think it's because of government and uh lobbyists and uh corruption within The insurance industry and pharmaceutical, but the only reason
1: lobbyists exist is because they know that they can use government and use politicians and manipulate them through lobbying to then make policy that is favorable towards them. I mean, doesn't that? that, that, I guess is the part I don't
0: percent agreement there. So that's the
1: thing. You, this is the part that drives me crazy because, like, (laughs) we we go through these like these these uh, these individual examples and we're on the same page, but then we apply it to like a larger scale and somehow there's a disconnect in it, and I don't know how how that misses, like, you, like so for example, you mentioned Amazon, how if there was a federal minimum wage of $15 an hour, let's say, then they wouldn't have to move from New York to name the new location where it's going to be, because it would be universal across the, uh, the board, okay, and you, like, you, even, you're the one who said, well, because they are going to look and move somewhere else, but on a larger scale, I mean, Amazon is a billion some odd dollar company, they can yeah. move anywhere in the world. I mean, they could move to Mexico. They can move to Africa. They can move to India. The only thing that's keeping in the United States is because, uh, well, Jeff Bezos is from America, and I'm assuming he has the the desire to hire American citizens, but... No, that's not
0: it, though. It's, It's because America has 300 million people. We are the richest country in the world. Jeff Bezos would be stupid to move any other country in the world because we have the most economic capital. It makes sense to have a warehouse here because the most business that Amazon does, yes, it's a worldwide business now. Yes, there's a reason he's a billionaire because he's worldwide. And that's how billionaires exist, because they tap into a market that's now worldwide. But the United States is the richest country. They get their most money from the United States. So therefore, Jeff Bezos isn't doing it because he wants to give Americans jobs. It's because he knows that the money is in America. Okay, but That's if he gets, if saying saying he gets
1: mandated a, a federal minimum wage of fifteen dollars an hour, now let's say let, let's you know let's not even say fifteen. Let's say it's a thirty dollar minimum wage, right? I mean, Jeff Bezos has already said he's going to make it a fifteen dollar minimum wage for all Amazon yep. employees. But yep. let's say the government tomorrow decides it's going to be a $30 minimum wage. And all of a sudden, Amazon employees are you know going to be paid $3 per hour. And Jeff Bezos looks at the bottom line. He says, I can't justify literally doubling all my employees' pay and being able to financially be secure. And, well, you know what? I'm looking overseas and I see I could probably move most of my operations to name the country here in Africa who has a 0% corporate tax. I can, I can essentially put my entire company over there. I can do most of the, the stuff over there where the taxes that take place, and then I can tr- cost justify paying for these employees or just getting rid of these employees altogether and just have r- random warehouses that are stationed throughout the United States. And then but that's oh, where I
0: agree with conservatives and honestly, where I agree with the president that <laughs> about sanctions, you know, if, 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 if you're going to do that to the American people, if and, and that's the thing, Jeff Bezos, he's a billionaire, Brian, like, I, honestly, I don't have any sympathy for somebody who's like, oh, well. You know, like he, he could afford uh, – that's an outlandish number, by the way, $30 an hour jumped up to 15 why? But for Why? Why is, of the why is argument, that outlandish? Oh, b- because obviously the uh, the current minimum wage, if adjusting for the cost of inflation, I think it would only be about 18 to $20 an hour. So, I mean, 30 is is grandiose. But even for your example, Jeff Bezos could pay that. He could absolutely pay that. And he'd still make billions uh, in profit. Or m- m- maybe not, though. But still. Oh, no, he would. would but, okay, let's say that yeah. you're
1: right okay, he looks at that and he says, well, I don't want to pay that. So, you know, what I'm going to do, I'm going to automate as much as I can and just get rid of this workforce. And I don't have to worry about paying it. I mean, what would you do then?
0: Right. Well, that's, that's the problem that we're running into. And that's where we talk into universal basic income, which obviously I know you said, uh, Oh, I don't like that. But you know, automation, like, and that's the thing that we're talking about. Low skilled jobs are something that have always been a necessity for America. And we are approaching a point where technology is going to eliminate those jobs. You know, we've got we've got, places that are going to completely automate their systems and there's like i'm talking within the next five ten years we're going to see ten thousand uh plus you know hundreds and thousands of jobs gone that we used to you know see and so that runs into the issue of what do we do for all the people that want to become skilled workers in something but have never had the opportunity to do that and don't know what they're going to do is it that they never had the
1: opportunity or they never had the desire because they were basically getting paid a a a decent wage to do low skill, low labor work where they have no real incentive to look for other jobs because the job existed.
0: Yeah, you know, I think I think it's I think it's a mixture of that. Honestly, I think people I don't think people are complacent. I don't think people are uneducated. I just think that people are comfortable Comfortable with doing like you know the the factory position you know even at Remington I mean people get paid pretty good money in Herkimer County to work at Remington Arms like 17 18 bucks an hour and you know they get mad overtime and you know they feed their families with that like like people enjoy going to work and getting a paycheck and feeding their, their families. families and that's what people uh that's what people like to do and so obviously if automation takes place and destroys that part of the you know job industry. Where do they go, Brian? Like, what do we, what, what, what is your solution? Well, I mean, where did,
1: where did the milk carriers go? Where did the, uh, the horse drivers go? I mean, that's the thing. People look and learn new skills that made them competitive on the market. I mean, that's right. We've had, where where do
0: we, where do we go though, Brian? Like, that, that's my question, I guess. Where do we go as a society when automation takes over all of these jobs that people like, uh, like auto factories, uh, gun factories? I mean, you know, all these different places that like, Warehouses like Walmart distribution centers, uh, Amazon itself. I mean, I got a buddy who works in Amazon, and uh, he said that Jeff Bezos has sworn that he will never want to pursue automation. He always wants humans to work. Um, but you know, wh- wh- what, where do we go if all these jobs are automated? Like, what what is the solution well, in your in your opinion?
1: Well, first and foremost, I think it's important to pay people what their value is on the open market in the free market. If you have a government mandating a minimum wage that doesn't make sense for the company, then it makes sense that the company would look for alternatives that are more cost effective, number one. But number two, it would be a fixed cost versus that variable cost that they wouldn't have to to adjust for based on government edict. So I think number one, it would be getting rid of the minimum wage and saying companies can pay people what they are worth on the market. And if the people don't want to work there, then they can learn better skills. They can develop themselves professionally and then look for other opportunities that are out there that aren't automated. I mean, you and I, for example, we're doing career paths that aren't autom- that, that are not automatable. Um I mean right. they could it's be on the road,
0: but uh, yeah, but but still, I mean even especially in human services. I mean Good luck trying to get a robot to be able to uh, wipe, uh, you know, uh, uh, individuals. (laughs) uh, You know, been there. I understand when they, they, yeah, yeah. It's not fun. (laughs) It's hard to describe, but it's just like I I don't see a machine ever being able to do something like that. So that's the same thing. That's
1: that's the example. That's that's what I would say. The answer is that when you create, so and and I think this is going to I want to end with this part here before I go to a rapid fire question from the audience is that the problem with a lot of the democratic socialist policies is that the, the policies that have been acted in from democratic socialists or just progressives in general in the past in this well intentioned uh, mindset have yielded all these negative consequences. So I would argue that the minimum wage has a direct correlation with the increase in automation. I would argue that the government subsidies towards healthcare have led to an increase, in, an artificial increase in the costs of healthcare. And the cost of insurance, I would argue that the increase in government subsidies to people pursuing college education, that has unintentionally increased the cost of actually going to college. So I think it's very important, and I will then let you respond, is that democratic socialists need to get to the point that you start looking at the outcomes of actual policies versus the good intentions. Right
0: so I, I agree with you on that and but I also disagree because there is um, there is there is no reason that uh, some of these problems can be blamed on democratic socialism but more so capitalism I mean capitalism is why we are the richest country in the world but it's also the reason why you know Bernie Sanders himself talks about the economic gap between the richest people in this country and the poorest people and it is astronomical and you know i'm not saying that we need to do communism and give everybody money because that's the problem too everybody equates socialism with communism and it's like please get a book and educate yourself because they're not the same at all and it's, it and socialism isn't the same as democratic socialism you know i personally i think that capitalism how so? I, like wait, I explain
1: th- that How how, is, how in your mind is socialism not the same as democratic socialism
0: so democratic socialism is the idea that you know and i i believe it could be called socio-capitalism Democratic socialism is giving workers the right to work within a company and kind of seize the means of production, aka be a part of that company in a lot, uh, a lot more responsible form than just getting a paycheck and coming to work and doing a piecework and then getting paid for it and then going home at the end of the day. I mean, be, truly being involved in the company and whatnot. But also the massive profit scaling. Uh, you know, people talk about this all the time. A company should not be able to make billions and billions of dollars in profit when they are paying their workers money to the point where they're still going to the county office building to get welfare, you know, corporate welfare. And, and so, you know, my, my thought process on the whole matter is that democratic socialism can rein in capitalism. Capitalism is fine, but I don't think anybody should be making billions of dollars in profit for a company and not feeding the bottom line that essentially holds them up. I mean, it's, it's a pyramid scheme, but you're getting paid to be a part of the scheme. And so People don't think it's a scheme, but you know, if you're if you're going to work and you know you're getting paid twelve bucks an hour, but meanwhile, you know the CEO of your company's you know raking in millions and millions and bonuses and whatnot. Clearly, you're holding up an entire scheme, and that's the thing. Like I said, Jeff Bezos, he did build that company from ground up, but at a point, he needed more people to make the company what it is. Like that that company would not would not survive with Jeff Bezos at the helm all by himself. He needs people, but as you said, he needs to pay people what they're worth. Is it worth 15 bucks an hour? Is it worth the minimum wage of federally of $7.25 an hour? That's the debate. And I, I would personally- say, Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to no, interrupt. I, I, just personally, I just personally believe that there, there can be a number put on a minimum wage adjusting for the cost of living, how much food costs- an area, you know, here in Herkimer, New York, my rent is $700 a month. Now you go to, and I have a three bedroom, two bath, uh, upstairs, downstairs house, you know, and I pay $700 in rent here. And, you know, you go somewhere else in the economy, like California you're paying $1,500, $2,000 for it. Well, that. I mean, man, My it's budget. supply and
1: demand, man. I mean, like, that's yeah. that's just the basic of economics. I mean, like, if there's more of a demand, this the increase in costs is, is obviously going to happen. I mean, that's just like... Right,
0: but, but, and, and the question is, though, is it a supply and demand of, of civility, or is it a supply and demand of greed? And that's the problem, is a lot of these things, the supply and demand, the free market, it's all based upon capitalism and greed, as opposed to actually, oh, well, you know, we can... like. They could they could turn a profit charging uh twelve hundred dollars for what they charge seventeen hundred dollars for, but they charge seventeen hundred because of supply and demand. And I guess I just don't so, agree sometimes with the greed of how how the richest people in this country operate.
1: And what happens I, what happens when somebody who has a house that they are want to rent, they're like, you know what? No, I'm not gonna rent it because I'm not gonna make any money on renting it. So I'm just gonna sell the house to a random person and I'm not even gonna have that as an option, and now that house isn't available to be rented.
0: No, I think I think people deserve to, to make money. That's the thing. I, I think that people deserve to make money. I think that people deserve to to bask in the benefits of the things that they are pursuing, whether it's an entrepreneurial uh, uh, pr- pursuance or if it's something that they're involved with on a greater scale, like being a part of like the real estate industry. But, you know, um, I just don't think that people realize how much how much how much wealth is in the country that could be distributed more evenly if we had better, like better sanctions in place on how people, you know, acquire wealth and how, how people acquire the wealth, depending on if it's through their own success. Did they acquire this wealth through their own success like Jeff Bezos did in the beginning, or is it Jeff Bezos now making billions a year and he's got a lot of people underneath him that make that success possible? Why should he not pay them, far more than just $15 an hour. $15 an hour is what he decided. That's great. Honestly, that's what I've been talking about and Bernie Sanders has been talking about $15 an hour minimum wage. But obviously, it's the question, can we do better and still have people make money? I mean, can people still make obscene amounts of money and have massive profit but treat their workers with respect to live a dignified life. Yes, no, they're not buying lobster every every week and they're not doing, you know, going out to eat every night, but they're comfortably able to live. They are, they're able to go to work. They're able to save up money to go on trips and whatnot and live a comfortable life. That I, I just, I, honestly, I just want people to be happy. I just want people to be able to do what they can to survive. And I just see so many people struggling and I, I see solutions And I know, you know, you say government isn't the solution, bigger government isn't the solution. I agree there's waste in government, but I think that there's ways that we can solidify and strengthen government and minimize it. To make sure that the government is working for the people, just like the Constitution originally said, of the people, by the people, for the people. Oh, I I'm sorry. To... So bad.
1: it's okay. No, I, I, I'm i going to be good because I want to get to uh, these rapid fire questions here for my audience. Sure. Um, but <laughs> we, we we have to have a uh, another episode here to, to dig through some more of this because sure, if there there is so much I, I want to get to because I really do think um that y- it's it's like this this gigantic house of cards is being built and it's. And, and I'm not critiquing, you I'm know, just the ideas that you're promoting, it just seems like you're picking and choosing different areas that you want to support without acknowledging that a lot of the problems caused are from the the very good intention policies that were promoted in the past. So without just rehashing that, that I mean, that's just kind of where I'm yeah. at
0: right now. But anyways, I mean, would, you, would you agree quickly before we go into yep. rapid fire? Would you agree that social security, which was one of the biggest implementations of a socialistic socialistic program? Is one of the most successful things until Absolutely uh, not. we started. Absolutely, no?
1: not. it's it's bankrupt. And the reason it's bankrupt is because it's it was managed by the government, where you have a it, you have a group of people in boomers who you're paying into the system, and the idea is that you're going to be dying basically at the age of sixty five. So yeah. now people in our age group are paying, we're subsidizing through our tax dollars people who are fifty years older than us. And we're not going to see a dime of it because the, the entire program's going to be bankrupt. So the better alternative would be allow you just to do that on your own throughout your life. Say, hey, I'm going to pick, um, you know, XYZ 401k, and instead of putting five hundred dollars or $500, like putting I don't know, forty dollars a month into Social Security, I'm going to put forty dollars a month into my my 401k. And I can almost guarantee that the 401k is going to have a lot more value than Social Security is. The difference is. I have a choice. I have a choice to put the money into four hundred one k versus right. the social security, and, and, and now and, I don't. And,
0: and and this pro the social security is forced, but you know also I I do we we can talk about this next episode, but I firmly believe the only reason that program could possibly go bankrupt is because politicians and people dug into that honey pot with their hands and tried to scoop money out, and they did. They stole money out. Of I mean, and security. people live longer than they were supposed to, but oh, that, I that too. Yes. So yes, let, yes. let's let's so,
1: do these rapid fire questions, and I sure. want to uh, if you could. Try to keep your answers within like a 30 second range or so just because I I have a couple of questions here while I get through and okay. uh, there's like, I just want to make sure we can get through most of them. So um, yeah. Salvador asked the question, if folks who are democratic socialists or just people in general can't be responsible with their own money right now that they're currently taking from the state, why should Americans give them more despite, so for example, we spend so much money on education per student, we're actually the highest paid uh, per student country in, in America, but we have one of the worst education systems in the world. So the question is, if we if uh, we cannot be responsible with the money that we're currently taking in and we waste, why should we be willing to give government more and more to then do it right the next time?
0: So uh, two things. Um, I agree with him. Uh, government and education is awful. It's garbage, especially here in New York State. Uh, I don't think that we should be giving any extra money to uh, the educational system uh either via democratic socialism and whatnot until we revamp the system. But in in my view, um, the policies of free college tuition and, uh, you know, subsidizing uh, what we do in, in education needs to be revamped before we start allocating resources. But I do believe that, you know, revamping the system is the first step to making Education, a better opportunity for everybody in America, and improving our system. And we do need to look to other countries. America is not the greatest country in the world in every single category, especially education. We can look to other countries. We can look to see what they're doing, and we could probably cut in a plethora of costs in in regards to what we're doing compared to other countries, and make it better, and then implement some of those democratic socialist policies. But I do agree with Salvador that uh, the. the what we do right now in education is far too wasteful and we need to revamp that system.
1: Vets for Liberty asks, I genuinely want to know why Keith thinks a government can manage its citizens' affairs better than individuals can manage their own.
0: So my, my thought process is individuals uh, have proven time and time again to have uh, a lot of issues with delegating uh, tasks of grand proportions. I mean, I, I personally have seen individuals struggle to manage their own money, and as you said with social security, we should have a choice. People should have a choice, and I do agree. But there are certain things that I don't think we should gamble with people having the right to do their own things. And it, I, I agree with education and healthcare being one of those, two of those things. I think that people need assistance from the government to have a a safety net, a social safety net, and that's why we say social safety net. People cannot fail. And, you know, I I agree that there are some things that we really do need to to stop doing, you know, like, we, we have to stop babying people and coddling people. But with healthcare and education, I do believe that the government should play a role in helping people to make sure that they have something that they can turn to and have the opportunity to not go into astronomical loads of debt with student loans and with hospital bills and medical bills that we currently have with the two systems that we do have
1: all right next question so we uh we have a question here uh this is from matt he says why does socialism or good intention socialism almost always end up in some type of totalitarian totalitarian dictatorship
0: well, uh, full fledged socialism ends and like like obviously the problem is people equivocate socialism to Venezuela and they equivocate it to Cuba and, you know, all these other places that that have socialism policies. But there's also places like Canada, Norway, Sweden, the Nordic countries that we reference that use socialism and, you know. I am not saying that the United States has to go full socialist. I think that capitalism is fine. I think it needs to be reined in. And I think that socialism is a really good way. I, like, I, I always say socio capitalism and I'm surprised to find out that it's not actually a term, but I think socio capitalism is allowing the United States and individuals to pursue profit and be able to, you know, reap the benefits of what, whatever they try to found and pursue and then make sure that the money that they're making is distributed to the people that helped make that reality possible rather than people hoarding wealth. So, you know, I, I, I fully think that we can do both. Uh, and that's why I think that socialism doesn't always lead to totalitarianism. I think if we just implement certain policies, not full-fledged socialism, it'll be fine.
1: Child Free Libertarian, that's the actual name on uh, Twitter. They ask, as a top 10% earner, they them, they're themselves saying that, as a top 10% earner that works in the trades... When they double, being Democratic Socialists, uh, double or more my taxes, why should I continue to do this job when I can no longer afford the lifestyle?
0: When he can no longer... What what is he? The top 10? As a top
1: 10% earner that works in the trades, when Democratic Socialists double or more my taxes, why should I continue to, to do this job when I can no longer afford the lifestyle?
0: I mean... I guess, you know, this is where I guess I come off as someone who, who doesn't really have any empathy for someone who's living the really, really good life. I mean, what what does that mean? though? Like, what, what does this guy mean? And or, or, or gal, whoever, um, you know, I can't afford to live the lifestyle anymore. Does that mean that he can't afford to have three homes anymore? Or, you know, like I, only Bernie
1: Sanders can afford to have three homes, buddy.
0: Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> we, can, we, we can talk. We can talk about that on the next episode because that's a little bit of an inaccuracy there too. But we can we can talk about that. But um, I guess I guess I find it really hard to to tell this guy. Well, I don't think you should have to pay double your taxes because you deserve to continue living the life that you've experienced. Well, the, the, I mean, the
1: question he had it wasn't that so much. It was why okay. should he continue to do the job? Why why should he continue to work if he's going to have his taxes doubled and he can no longer live the life he's been living? Why why do it?
0: Well, if he's a part of this, if he's a part of an industry that he enjoys, if you, if, if you are doing something that you passionately like to do because you're doing it for your passion, then the amount of money you get paid for it shouldn't uh, change in regards to if you're going to pay double in taxes or not. And, the, you know, I, if, if and I don't think it would be double anyway, I'm mean, we've, we, we've talked about uh, the marginal tax rate of 70 percent for the rich, which would mean, you know, after you earn your first 10 million, yes, you'd be taxed 70 cents on the dollar. And we could talk about that next episode, but I really don't see a problem with once you make a certain amount of money, if you can't live within that lifestyle means while other people struggle to figure out how to live on twenty dollars to $40,000 a year, I really don't have the empathy to understand why, why you can't foresee yourself being able to just pay a little bit more than you're used to and still maintain a very good lifestyle compared to people who are struggling. Sorry, that was more than 30 seconds. Apologies. <laughs> it's
1: okay, we got two more questions left here. Uh, because we are running out of time. So the, uh, this comes from friend of the show, John Chang. He goes, do you, uh, do you, Keith, think that government or any... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, let me start over. Uh, he says, do you, Keith, think that government or any authority is capable of making a cost-effective situation wherein people can gain reward for very little to no risk?
0: Uh, say that question one more time.
1: Yep. Do you think that the government or any other authority is capable of making a cost-effective situation where people can gain reward with very little to no risk?
0: Uh, Yes and no. Uh, Currently, our government, as we talked about throughout the show, uh, not at all representative of the people that it's supposed to serve. And I don't think that the government has the best interests of America right now. I think we need better people. But I do believe at some point the government can uh, do exactly that. I feel that if we revamp the governmental system and honestly eliminate certain government waste, like reduce government size, because I don't think that bigger is always better. Um, but I think that we can implement some pretty grand policies that, you know, like universal healthcare and education and still sh- like, like small enough, small enough the government, um, we can, we can, sh- we can shrink the government size and still put these policies into effect and make them low risk, high reward.
1: So the final question from Jake Baldwin is a question I'd like to ask Keith is, uh, do democratic socialists really believe that they can regulate and control human thoughts and behaviors? Or is it just a small, extremely loud vocal minority within a larger movement that manages to squeeze their ways into the spotlight, like in most other groups of people?
0: You know, I I, I see where he's coming from, and I've I've wondered that myself. Um, I do think that the 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 reward of democratic socialism is a much happier society, and yes, I do I do agree with him that uh, I do I do agree that there is a very cause for concern with any system that. People are not gonna be able to um people people are not gonna be able to be controlled. You can't control somebody's thoughts, you can't stop somebody I mean, it's the same thing with gun laws and whatnot. You can't stop people from doing what people are gonna do. People are have their own free will, they're gonna do what they're gonna do. But that's also why sometimes, you know, the concept is we have to force people to do social security because some people are gonna screw up. And, you know, unless unless you know, people are saying, "Well, people just deserve to uh, to suffer and die if they screw up." You know, if somebody if somebody uh, squanders away their paycheck uh, and you know they 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 make mistakes, then they deserve whatever comes to them—natural consequences. And as much as as much as I think that that's logical, I can't. I don't have the I don't have the heart to say they would all deserve to suffer and die, you know, and that's what I think, unfortunately, that question kind of insinuates. Do you, do you think that the government should have their hands in everybody's uh, thoughts and whatnot and force people to do things? No, I don't. But there are certain social safety nets I think that people will never be able to handle for themselves. It just lifts them up and gives them a safety net so that they don't fail and hurt themselves in a very severe way. I
1: said that was the last question, but I lied, because I'm going to ask a question now. It's kind of a follow-up, and I think it kind of sure. encapsulates this entire conversation we've had today in one final question. I think this is really the area that I have problems with democratic socialism, and this is my sure. question. So I my question to you, Keith, is, would you feel comfortable if, and I've kind of asked this question already, but I'm going to ask okay. it like, directly, would you feel comfortable if I libertarians across the world conservatives what have you here in the united states if we all collectively decide not to pay for name the 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 social welfare program are you comfortable with putting all of us in jail
0: um i would I would question why you've continued to pay your taxes religiously on this military-industrial complex. Like, wh- do you have any problem with that? Have you been paying your taxes with that? Have you refused to pay your taxes to the military-industrial complex that we have with our federal government taxes?
1: Have I personally? No.
0: Yeah. So, I mean... It, I'm afraid it, I don't, don't want to get shot.
1: That's a, th- that's a thing. I don't... Right. I don't like right. that. I don't like the fact that the government takes any of it. So, uh, my question is, okay, if, yeah, you're no, charge, would, if you're the one in charge, if you're the one in charge, right, because you're... you're the idea is that you're supposed to be replacing the the bad people with with young middle-aged or I'm sorry middle uh, middle class I- yep. excited people that means that you're now going to have the the power to say well I am putting these policies in place and now I have to uh, carry out the law so here's the law if you don't follow it are are you okay with that
0: you know you know what I you know what I would really hope in an idealistic society is putting forth these proposals and telling you pay into this and wait and see what happens. You know, I, I, and I hate, I hate saying that because honestly, that's what Nancy Pelosi said with frigging Obamacare. And that really bothered me because she's like, we have to pass this bill so we can see what's in it. But I mean, this is different, you know, like, like universal healthcare, like, like everybody knows what the pros and the cons are because we've had the conversation many times, but like put universal healthcare onto the table, pay your taxes for a year into that system. And let me know, if you utilized it or not kind of deal. It's the same thing with the Trump tax plan that went forth. I mean, I said two years ago when it got passed, or a year ago when it got passed, I said, let's see next year how many people saved money on this $2 trillion proposal that we decided to put forth. And from what I've seen, many middle-class families have seen jack garbage diddly squat in regards to the amount of money that they got back in their taxes this year. Some have paid more. And so... You know, I guess that's what I would say to you. Like I wouldn't just put my foot down and say, Brian, pay this or else, but I would say, Brian, I would really appreciate if you would pay your taxes like you have no, for I'm every not single other program. Nope say no. nope, you don't want to, you don't wanna do it. nope, what are you gonna do? okay um, I would like you to understand that you still have access to all of the programs that we're implementing. You still going to be able to go to the doctor without a copay, but, uh, oh, not, your wage.
1: no, 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 that's not, Gar- that's voluntary. Cause if that was the case, Gar- then I would be able to, to voluntarily pay in. That's
0: different. Well, right. Well, no, it, it's, it's, it's still, you're, you still have access to it because it's a federal program. And so if you pay your taxes, you don't, but if you don't pay your taxes, I mean, the current system is the IRS comes and garnishes your wages. So I guess you're, you know, your your paycheck would be garnished, and you'd have to, you know, uh, have your taxes taken you, from you, you, you know, which you is that whole...
1: We, and so you know what we say here in libertarian circles with that?
0: That's taxation, taxation is, is theft.
1: theft. That's right. Ah, yeah. All right, man. <laughs> hey, listen, Keith, you are a great sport, and I love talking to you because you're a level-headed democratic socialist, which I can't believe I just uttered that oxymoronic statement, but with that. (laughs) There's more of us,
0: I swear. Oh, I know there are. I I, I know. You just see the people online that really are crazy on both ends of the spectrum, but I really do, I do try to keep a level head, Brian, because I really do want, I really do want people to understand that, you know, I care about this country, I care about people, I care about wanting to make this society better, and I know that we have disagreements, but, and I don't want to be too radical. But I just feel like like a program, a couple programs like universal healthcare and, and fixing education for people to have more opportunities isn't such a terrible thing. But we can definitely talk about that again next episode. And, and we're definitely going to
1: have you on again because I think there's a lot more we can dig into. And there's a couple of questions. I'm sorry to some of you folks I didn't get to ask your question because uh, the conversation just kind of, uh, it, it flows. And I don't want to, uh, to make it rigid and structured to the point that it doesn't feel natural. And I think you and I had a very, uh, a very lively and I think very thought-provoking conversation today. Um, for people mm-hmm. on both sides of the political aisle, I hope if you are a democratic socialist, you came into this conversation and you were opening up your your mind a little bit to libertarianism or just learning more about what we actually believe. Um, We don't believe in anarchy. Well, some of us do. Um, But but I think uh, you know. also what you and I just did is we show that you can have a conversation with someone who you you vehemently disagree with um, on terms of policy. There are a lot of things we agree with um, uh, each other on, but there's also a lot we disagree with. But we can still end the conversation as friends. um, There was no yelling. There was no screaming. There was no calling people names. And I think we need to have more of that in today's uh, discourse because – quite frankly it really it doesn't exist as much cuz you have talking heads on you you name the the four letter um the four letter news station you know with debate panels and all kind of stuff like this is a real conversation um three, three so matters, bro. Three letters, four letters. MSNBC, that's four, man. Come on, give me a Oh, break. yeah, well,
0: I was thinking CNN, Fox, oh, NBC, yeah. ABC. I think three three beats four. <sighs> See, okay,
1: CNN there right. you go. <laughs> you you, 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 you trump me there. All right, man, well, listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, well, listen. If, you, uh, if you're if you a fan of Keith, I, I ask you to, oh, number one, even if you're not a fan of his ideas, if you just think that Keith's a uh, uh, level-headed guy and you can have a rational conversation with him without getting into um, I want you to go ahead and support him um, you know, follow him on, on social media, engage with him politely. Um, so with that, Keith, uh, if you could tell my audience where they can find you, um, both on social media. And I, I, rumor is you have a Patreon, so maybe you can plug that here as well.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I, uh, I have a Facebook. It's, uh, Keith A. Rubino. Uh, it's, it's, it's always been that. It's always going to stay that way. Uh, I am available on Facebook all the time. Uh, I really enjoy posting about politics on Facebook, but sometimes I post cute pictures of my dog. Uh, sometimes I post pictures of me singing. Um, I'm a jack of all trades, really. And, you know, like I said, I'm I'm a very respectful, uh, quote unquote, liberal and slash democratic socialist. I, I do not call people names. I do not. Uh, I, I try very hard not to speak condescendingly to people. And I am very interested in having conversations with anybody who wants to learn more about democratic socialism or maybe have just a spirited debate like Brian and I had. And my Patreon, uh, you know, I've been making music videos for politics since 2015. You know, I made a lot for Bernie, but I also made a lot of videos that weren't just for about Bernie, but also just about the state of the country, how we need to stop listening to the mainstream media because they really don't represent anybody. Um, They just represent, you know, the masses of people who believe, you know, standing up for the National Anthem versus kneeling, stuff that really, you know, doesn't have a whole lot of consequence on your daily life, but you think it does because the media tells you enough and drills it in your head. So anyway, I do all kinds of music videos on my Patreon, and I would love if anybody would be interested in donating $1, $5, 10 anything you want, because I'm making all these different videos throughout the election cycle, touching on a lot of different issues, and I would love support. So that is uh, patreon.com slash young Bernie. And uh, I'm guessing that people can kind of figure out maybe why my, uh, Patreon is named the way it is, <laughs> but, uh, no, really, I, I do appreciate having, uh, having the chance to be on here, Brian. I do hope that people will continue to, um, you know, uh, support, uh, your show as well as, you know, come on and follow me on Facebook. And again, you know, uh, Patreon is just something I do because it's a really fun side hobby that gets me through the mundane uh, monotony of day to day life with uh, without politics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, man. Well, and and also I again I I cannot say it enough like how appreciative I am for you coming on the show. Um, obviously, having polar opposite views and being able to have a conversation like we did. Um, we need more of that, man. Honestly. Uh so thank you for, for doing your part and having the conversation and being uh you know, just being the genuine self that you are. So uh with that, folks, please go support Keith. Even if if you don't support his Patreon, if you're a libertarian, you're like, I can't support this socialist with my money. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> go great. go and just at least, you know, support his, his Facebook page with his videos. Um or just show, you know, say, Hey, I heard John Brian's show. I think you guys had a great conversation. I disagree with you vehemently, but I think you know you're the example of what we need to have more of on the the, the discourse. Honestly, so um, mm-hmm. with that, folks, thank you so much. If you enjoyed today's episode, again, share with family and friends, and as always, follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty on Facebook and on Twitter. And if you want to support my Patreon, you can find me over at B Nichols Liberty. I do my Traffic Tuesdays, um, give you uh, some sneak behind or uh, uh, behind the, the scenes sneak peeks as to uh, what's coming up for the shows that week. Um, a lot of fun stuff as well. Um, so with that, folks. Thank you. Thank you from the of my heart for, for being a fan of The Brian Nichols Show. Uh, if you haven't had a chance yet, listen to uh, my last two episodes I had with uh, Lily Tang Williams and Hillary Andaluz Aguilar uh, talking about hashtag socialism kills. Sorry, man. And also uh, the tragedy in Venezuela with uh, Hillary Andaluz Aguilar. Um, so with that, folks, thank you for joining us today. So with that, Brian Nichols signing off for Keith Rubino. We'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Brian
0: Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.